Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Talking twins. Now, with 1500ESPN.com senior web editor and resident seam head Derek Wetmore, presented by the Canopy Group for the best insurance coverage at the absolute best price. Uh, foul ball in Anaheim. I think you guys might remember that play, but uh, landed pretty hard. Uh, you know, had a little whiplash, and um, you know, just been getting coming in, and getting treatment on it, and uh, you know, trying to get out there every day. And uh, today, got out there, and it started to stiffen up. Uh, get a little worse so um you know talking to the trainers and coaches they thought it was best to get out of there before it uh, got any worse so that was uh, joe mauer on friday night after being pulled from the game against the brewers uh molitor said that night that he didn't see this as uh, necessarily a dl type situation a day after that joe goes on the 10-day dl with a, a cervical neck strain and concussion symptoms the important word being symptoms so wetmore what in your opinion here uh, what should the concern be? Because mine is mine is anyone who's had concussion issues or symptoms previously, which Joe has both. Um, I see this as yeah, possibly ten days, and if, if it's ten days, that's great. But I'm not going to be surprised if it's a month. Yeah, that's the worry, right? The his good buddy from the turn of the century twins is now in a broadcast booth, doing a great job, but he's in a broadcast booth. In no small part because of concussion. That has to be the concern. I'm not saying this is career-threatening or anything like that. Joe's already 35. He's built a great career for himself. But for the rest of this season, Judd, I don't know where this leads. Joe Maurer wasn't at the ballpark this weekend. Uh, the word on the street is that he and Molitor traded texts Saturday. And, hey, how you doing? Everything okay? And he'll be there tonight, is what I'm told. He'll be at the ballpark tonight. The Twins can get their eyes on him. Their doctors can talk with him and stuff and figure out, hey, is this just kind of a mild thing? And and I'm personally, Judd, not one to overreact to these kinds of no, things. Let's let it play out. Yeah. Here's my level of concern, though. This happened on a dive in Anaheim a week ago, and symptoms rear their head. Maybe they had been going on for a couple of days, but he played. And, and then they were bad enough to keep him away from the ballpark. That's a week later. That's concerning, and I'm very curious to see what we hear tonight. And he's also had a history, too, of not necessarily telling them what's going on. So You're I don't know exactly how much right. That, You'd mean, know that firsthand. Know that what first, yeah. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. What also is interesting about this, as far as we know, this is his first concussion playing first base. He's other ones have been all catching-related, well, even the lingering one. They were careful to not call this a concussion. But his concussion-like symptoms uh, have emerged from first base for the first time. Boy, that well, was from his concussion to... five years ago. Because that's that's to me. There's there's smoke here. The house might not be on fire, but there's definitely some smoke coming from the basement, and I think that's a concern. I, I think if you're the Twins, you're already missing four out of five of your starting infielders: yeah. Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano, Joe Maurer, and Jason Castro. Done for the season. The only guy standing is Brian Dozier. And of Logan the, Morrison. Yeah, and Logan Morrison was signed to be the DH sort of backup first base. And and I like Logan Morrison. I got a big piece coming on him uh, for tomorrow's edition of the website. Um, I, I think he's a good power hitter that can really help the Twins down the stretch. But at first base, he's not Joe Maurer. 
That's like Mitch Garver. Judd, I was giving you the Mitch Garver scouting report this weekend. Oh, this is dead on. How, yes. how is he defensively as a catcher? What's the scouting report? Good defensively, hitter. he's a good hitter. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he Mitch really Garver's hit. a good, he can really hit. And that's the concern to me with Logan Morrison, too. Defensively, Bobby at first Wilson base, was one foot out of retirement. Well, and, and then here's how you know what the Twins think about their catching situation. They have an off day Thursday followed by two night games, Friday, Saturday. Bobby Wilson's catching both of those games. So draw your own conclusions. Whatever you want to take from that is up to you. But I'm just saying that Maurer is, is he's a he's a big domino, and he's just the latest in a line of dominoes yep. for the Twins infield. You started spring training thinking you were going to have Miguel Sano, Jorge Polanco, Brian Dozier, Joe Maurer, Jason Castro. You've got one of those guys right now. I think that's the real He's also here. slumping. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't been the Brian Dozier. But... I'm also. But this is Brian. I Do- never write this, off Brian Dozier. This, oh no, of course. And not. this is Brian Dozier. I will go on your radio show and say, "What are they going to do at second base with Brian Dozier? Been so terrible." And then he'll hit fifty-seven home runs this in the Do- next three weeks, and I'll look like an idiot. This is Dozier. Yes, Brian this is Dozier. Him. This is him. Uh, so Patrick had a column on Saturday that I thought was uh, very interesting, enlightening, not surprising. We know it, but it sort of encapsulated the, the whole thing. Buxton and Sano. Sano is rehabbing at Rochester from the hamstring problem now, and it sounds like I did love the line about before he went, they talked to a bunch of folks in the organization, including the nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Byron Buxton has gone has been back to looking lost uh, since his return nine games ago now. He is, is at 115 with one run driven in, and I have him at three for 26. What's going on here? Because Sano, I think I know, and I'm just frustrated. I've been really pro Buxton because I don't think Byron Buxton is doing anything wrong necessarily. Like I don't look at his you foul the ball off his toe and, and how he works and say, well, he's not trying hard enough. If anything, he probably tries too hard. Yes. But the Buxton thing concerns me because from July first, Derek, through the end of last year, he was really good. Yeah. And he doesn't need to be great at the plate. He needs to get on base and he needs to be good. Good is good is. Not fantastic, but it's it's okay. But he's not that. Is this, can we attribute a lot of this to the broken toe? Or is this Byron Buxton again, though, going backwards? Because you can't have 115. Like, that doesn't work. Mm. And and it's going to, and they're going to try it for a long time, and I don't blame them. But my point being is, I thought in the second half of last year something was solved, and now I'm I'm either saying, well, he's still really hurt and he's just trying to play through it, or worse yet, he's just gone back to all of the same old habits that got him in so much trouble. Yeah, Judd, to me, it's both. To me, he is definitely still playing hurt. We talked to him about the two. I, I saw him lay up on a ball that I think he catches. He, he pulled up on it yesterday in center field, and it goes for a base hit, and... At the same time, he still might be the fastest player in baseball. He might be playing with a broken toe and able to outrun everybody. And I'll zoom in on the quick micro before I zoom back out and say, I think that this is a real concern. I think that this is a problem for the Twins because I think he has gone backwards at the plate. But we have to give him credit for yesterday. Gets on base. He stays on a slider. uh, Single to the outfield. He's on first. And then as Brian Dozier striking out, Buxton steals second, and they hurried the throw because that's what you do when Byron Buxton is on the bases. You're scared of everything. The Brewers hurry the throw and ends up in the outfield. He winds up on third base. Well, there's only one out. It's a tie game, so the Brewers draw their infield in. Max Kepler, next hitter, pokes a little bleeder through the infield, through the drawn-in infield. RBI single goes in the box score as Ye Kepler RBI hit. 
two things. I don't know that that's a hit if the outfield is playing at regular depth, and they're only playing at regular depth because Byron Buxton created two extra bases by virtue of being very fast. So he can still do little things that impact the game even when he's not quote-unquote right at the plate. With that being said, I think he's taken a very real step backwards from what we saw from him in the second half last year. From everything from the all-star break on, Byron Buxton was a superstar-level player, one of the best defenders in all of baseball, and he was coming around at the plate hitting for power, getting on base, creating havoc like I just talked about. We're not seeing that Byron Buxton right now, and that has to be concerning because what you saw last year, he'd he'd get ahead in the count, get 2-1, he's looking for a fastball, boom, drive it to the gap, triple. This year, and this is anecdotally, but what I'm seeing recently at the plate is he goes up there, and before you even know it, it's 0-2. And now he's in defense mode, and it's, oh gosh, that slider a little bit off the plate, I have to swing and try to protect it, and he's having contact issues. Part of the contact issues are not his fault. The Twins rushed him back from his injury because they couldn't stomach to watch Robbie Grossman play the corner outfield anymore. So they inserted him quickly in the lineup and said, hey, you're our center fielder, and we hope you get on base. The timing's not there yet. That's obvious. But the more concerning part to me is 0-2, 1-2, you know, basically right away. And any hitter, Mike Trout 0-2, is not Mike Trout that you're used to seeing. So when a hitter like Byron Buxton gets into that spot, it starts a concerning trend. And, and I don't know how he gets out of that, but that's going to be challenge 1A for Paul Monner and the Twins for the next couple of weeks. I had the benefit of sitting in the third, uh, first base camera well because being part of the grounds crew. And I saw him bunt through a squeeze. Yep. Uh, this was, what, the third inning maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, bunt through a squeeze. And then he was at least three days behind the next fastball that came. <sighs> now, but what Paul Molitor mentioned this yesterday, too. Buxton's probably the one guy that gets lost in his head more than anybody else on that club. And, I think that's true. And probably tries to overcompensate, overthink, becomes very mechanical. Offensively. At the plate. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not defensively. Yep. Offensively gets lost in his head, loses confidence, falls behind, overthinks. You know, if, how do you get somebody out of that? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's on him. Right. That's well, on him. There's only so much you can do to reassure him. But that's been something since the day he came up happens. Yeah, and Paul Molitor did talk with him this week. They gave him a little blow. I think it was Saturday. Hey, yeah. sit down. Yeah, the, the new kid played The Saturday. day J.K. played yeah. center field, yeah. It, it was, hey, sit down. And Molitor said he tried to affirm him. Just a quick conversation with Buxton. You're a good hitter. Remember the last three months of last season? But you're going back to that You're again. a really good hitter. And I asked Molitor yeah. about this counts thing, Judd. I asked him yesterday. I said, it's anecdotal. I don't have like the the numbers here in front of me to back this up, but it just seems like, Murph seems like you agree with this, it seems like he finds himself in a lot of 0-1 counts, 0-2 counts right away. Like Buxton walks up to the plate starting with a handicap of 0-2, and, and that's bad. That's bad for every hitter in baseball. He's Last guessing. Year, He's guessing. And it's it's predetermined swings. It's guessing which pitch is coming. And it's you're looking for a fastball and you get a slider off the plate and swing at it anyways. The best hitters in baseball don't do that. They go up and, as Molitor said, quote, own something early. And what I take that to mean is, like, you're coming up with guys on base and you say, okay, what I want to do is get a fastball inside. The first pitch of the at-bat, if it's not that fastball right where you're looking for it, right where you're ready to crush it, Mm -hmm. you then take that pitch even if it's a strike. And that's not what I'm seeing at all from Buxton right now. I think he needs to get back to those good counts, 
Get away from predetermined swings. Learn to read what the pitcher is doing to you. And, guys, this is a lot easier said than done, but I'm only saying this because we've seen him do it. We've seen him accomplish this before. Second half of last year, this is exactly what he was doing, and if he can get back to that, it smooths over a lot of other problems for the Twins. More Twins talk from the TCL Broadcast Studios with Derek Wetmore. Derek, uh, I have co- I'm coming to you with a positive on my notepad, a wow. Twins positive. Okay, because I don't do this probably enough, and uh, th- this team has certainly been disappointing for much of this year, so they don't deserve it. But Fernando Rodney now has nine saves after an April in which Fernando, uh, or, or, I'm sorry, first eight games. So this was up to his last appearance in April. He had pitched in eight games. 6.75 ERA, five earned runs in six and two thirds, two walks, eight strikeouts at that time. He was one and two with two saves and three blown saves. Since then, in the last eight games, he has not allowed a run. He has pitched eight innings. He has five walks and uh, ten strikeouts. But the point being, and six saves. But the point being is, it turned out to be right, just like like last year. For everyone who thought Fernando Rodney is a complete train wreck and disaster. Fernando Rodney has done the exact same thing, which is a terrible start, yeah. followed by a marked improvement. Yeah, and I said at the time, in my Five Thoughts column then, and I gave uh, Fernando Rodney a little love yesterday in the Five Thoughts column, that it's been it's actually been nine in a row, nine scoreless outings since that blown one in New York, and as I wrote, since Miguel Sano blew a save for him in New York, because that's the whole point, is like April was bad for him, but he actually didn't pitch that horribly. He, he still had the fastball. But he's running up into the mid-90s. He still has the devastating changeup. He wasn't throwing it that much in April. And I always kind of wonder about that in, in the first month of the season. Is it comfort? It's a feel pitch. Is it because it's cold? Does that impact it? I just, I wrote at the time that he blew the New York save. I wrote a column saying, like, you got to change these five things to even think about getting back on track. And given how much I've been criticized, Jed, for being a hot take artist this year, I think I deserve a little bit of back credit for saying stick with Rodney at closer. Rodney stays in the ninth inning as one of my five changes. Mm-hmm. Keep Addison Reed as this roving guy, whatever. Addison Reed's been quietly great. Fernando Rodney's been celebrated now for for how great he's been in May. And you know who else deserves some credit for this? It's not just Fernando Rodney for pitching well through it, but for his manager not overreacting and saying, well, bad April, we got a couple better relievers, you're out, you're in. Move on, bub. Paul Molitor is kind of known as this like even-handed, patient, cerebral guy, but I still think that he deserves credit for staying the course at closer when when everybody, at least on my Twitter feed, Judd, I don't know what yours is like. Yours is probably a, a, a mess compared with mine, but mine was get Rodney out of baseball, not only out of the closer role, off the wow. team, out of the clubhouse, and out of baseball, and Molitor... And put a quiet, bullet in his ear. <laughs> Molitor quietly said, like, thanks, but no thanks. Right. Stuck with him, and he's been great in May. He's He's been a big part of why the bullpen is trustworthy now in the late couple of days. I think there was a pivot, because I happened to cover it. There was a pivotal game a Saturday against Cincinnati. Sure. I think he walked the first two batters he faced. And yeah, this that was sounds coming like off Rodney. Of, that was, this was coming off that New York-Tampa trip, okay. right, where it was awful. All right. And he was getting booed. Sure. And that is where I think that was the game Molitor very easily could have put Reed out there, but he didn't. Sure. He stuck with his eighth inning and ninth inning plans. He put Rodney out there, who did get out of the trouble, I think, a couple of deep fly balls, too. It was an adventure. But yesterday, he was fantastic. I watched the ninth inning. and Untouchable. uh, 
His, it, the, the first fastball he threw, I can't remember if it was in Santana at the plate. It might yeah, have been. Yeah, Domingo Santana. It, it dove about eight inches. Yes. Down and down, it's from the middle of the plate down to his shoe tops. Yep. Well, and I've, then he struck out the side. I've so. got the ninth inning circled from yesterday, and there are two things. It's it's Rodney just looking. He overmatched the Brewers hitters. He should also give a little bit of love to his teammate Addison Reed, who the previous inning in a tight ball game faced three four five, so he could come on in a clean ninth inning, no base runners, and face. Six, seven, eight. That's a little bit easier. Still, pressure's dialed up. You've got these questions about your job. And I, I talked to him after the game. I was like, well, it just seems like you never really panicked. And you know, he's animated. He's firing his arrow off into center field and he's celebrating. And he's a really like, his hat's not on straight. Yeah. What, whatever. He's, he's just very loud and like, is, it seems like he has that closer personality. When he's on the mound, you watch him and you're like, yep, that he's got that charisma of a closer. And then 15 minutes afterwards, talking to him in his double wide locker in the clubhouse, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I always trusted my stuff, and I felt confident the whole time. I, I know April wasn't good, but this is part of my job. I'm I'm only doing my job." And it was ju- it was just so funny to hear the difference of right. here's this wild celebration to oh, I'm really I'm only doing my job if I just good yesterday, bad yesterday, no different. Well, you he's have to come a- in and be good. He's taken a lot of bullets over the years, you know, especially in Detroit, I think, too. So he's just got a thick skin. But Are they I, nasty there, Brian? They can be, uh, especially when they were in contention. Now I think they're just expecting the worst. Sure. Uh, he I just highlighted this. 309th career save. He's one shy. Do you know who it is? Goose Gossage. Okay. I saw it was the in the notes. Yes. I saw it the was note. in the notes. I Never saw mind. the note yesterday. <laughs> All right. Within one of the goose. You the goose is in the Hall of Fame. I That's know. right. Yeah. So, I mean, Rodney's, Better, but in the hall. Rodney's got some credentials as adventurous as he can be. He's got some thick skin. Yeah, and I think that that sort of, um, that even keel. Look, if he didn't have the fastball and changeup, I wouldn't be talking about his even keel. But I think the fact that he pairs that repertoire, the fact that he's 41 and still has that arsenal, and then pairs it with the been there, done that, what have you done for me lately, I've got to show up today no matter what yesterday held, I think both of those things are a big impact for that bullpen. Tigers uh, come to town starting for a series tonight, Derek. Guardy's back. Guardy. How much credit does he deserve? Because I think all of our expectation was this Tigers team was going to be awful. And if I am not mistaken, they're at least a game or two up on the Twins right now. Yeah. Well, the but, Twins are up a game right now. I'm, it was close this weekend. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. But my point, my point being is I don't think they're as as bad as we expected right. they might be. That's true. Too, too too early, early to say. It's a positive judge segment. Triple yeah, A wow. team. Yeah, he is managing a collection of guys you haven't heard, and, and they have them around 500. I, I think it's too early to say. I don't think Detroit has the pitching. I don't think they have the lineup to continue this for the full season. So I don't know what my expectations are going forward. Didn't mean to but, teeth from you. No, you know what? I'm going to ask today. If this doesn't come up in the Ron Gardenhire, I assume he's going to address local media oh, yeah. at some point, have a big scrum. And 340. I'm curious to know. Oh, thank you. I'll be there. I'm curious to know. <laughs> hey, did you did you do? He's doing the media scheduling now yeah. on a Target Field. Hey, Gardy, In addition to the grounds Gardy, crew, three forty, Mister Do Everything. Bengals are going to need you in the dugout. Hey, I think that there is something to be said about ignoring negativity. And Mike Zimmer, when he came to town, was very much on this: not ignoring negativity, but but flaunting it in your face. I think in football, that's fine. Hey, these guys doubt you. And Brian, I remember you and Mankato one year. When everyone was picking the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl, and Zimmer said, nobody's given us any credit. And you were like, really? This act again? <laughs> yes. And yes. He, the, the baseball mindset just has to be different, I think, than football. And in baseball, I think there's a lot of, of course, if you're a Tigers player, you know that nobody's picking you to go. 
But there's something, I think, and this is what I want to ask about. How do you keep the clubhouse spirit up when everybody is counting you out from the first day of spring training? Because I think there has to be something to that. That's sort of the secret sauce, I think, of being a manager that goes beyond the do you pinch hit here in the eighth inning in a one run. Like all of that stuff, you, you can kind of figure that stuff out, and that's through experience, and there's some math involved too. But there is very, there is very much a real component to managing people and managing a clubhouse and i think for all you uh twins fans that want to criticize garden hire believe me i was standing in that line too it was time yeah absolutely yeah. And, and you could pick faults with individual things run, things in-game, course. in-game management stuff that you could say like really what like what yeah. are you doing there but even as like a cold calculating stats guy that i am there is just something to that secret You're sauce heartless, that, i know it i know it heartless cold, analytically heartless robotic it's it's brutal but garden hire has that it and so far it's working for detroit i'm i'm curious to see where they'll be at the end of the season but thank give, you, sir. give him that thank you sir thanks guys uh, check out derek's uh, work 1500espn.com a uh, bunch of stuff up on the twins including plenty of speculation about what they might do at catcher